0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Royals FC Show episode 28. I am Ryan Kelly. I've got Vircho Leonard with me on co-hosting duties tonight. We are giving Cindy Laura a night off. She's got some some hectic stuff going on in life, and we've all been there and understand that. So uh, hopefully she gets everything straightened out and has things going better for her. We'll get her back next week when we should also have a special guest. Our fellow RSL soapbox writer, Megan Webb, will join us next week. Uh, we'd kind of thought this week, but we were wrong. So, uh, we'll, but we'll get that next week. We'll have maybe a, a big, you know, four host extravaganza where we all talk soccer. Um, but we'll get to that next week. So, um, Lots to go over this week. We had a, a game last night down in Houston, and then we have two games coming up here in Utah this week for the Royals. So we'll try and get through all that. We also got a, a good number of questions from, um, from listeners on Twitter and including one in Spanish that's going to be fun to talk about. Um I did my best to use some help from Google Translate and and answer this young lady who was kind enough to have some feedback for us so we will just go with it and see what happens
1: it's crazy how like women's soccer is so interesting because you just have clusters of like the fangirling for like press and kelly i love it like you really just see how like good role models they are but yeah i think this is definitely um an episode where we'll miss Cindy because, you know, she grew up in a bilingual household, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does know Spanish a lot better than either of us do. And I I wish I knew it better because, like, my, my nine-year-old son knows Spanish better than I do because he's had three years of, of dual immersion education. And, uh, you know, it's just like I need to stu- study more. But maybe I can work that into my impending odd decision to go back to college at nearly 40 years old. We'll see. Um, You know, sometimes you do what you got to do to get your life straightened out. And it's funny hearing other people going through similar things. I mean, my my brother-in-law, this is not soccer related at all, sorry, but you know, uh, my brother-in-law just had some frustrating things happen at work. He's putting his resume out there. I'm You know, what I'm doing right now for my job isn't working out for me, so I'm going through interviews for another job right now. I just found out tonight my father-in-law is um, finding out that some changes at his work might mean that you know, they're thinking their job might not be as necessary to the company he works for. So he's looking at something else that's a little more stable. And, you know, and then the, so it's just, it's kind of, I don't know if it's something in the water right now, but it's like job changing time for a lot of people that I know of. So, um, interesting how that happens to life. Ah, uh, but anyway. So, Royals fans, how do we feel after what I, th- I, that was such a great win for the team last night uh to go to houston on the road um rsl fans have known for years you know going to houston in the middle of the summer is never fun that's always a tough game to play in the heat and the humidity um and coming off an international break you don't know where everybody's going to be at you know focus wise um fitness wise but um you know, despite going down a goal at the end of the first half there, and that was such a kind of a fluky, uh, great header by Latsko. You know, no questions asked. And, and Barney just didn't quite get her full arm in front of that one. And um, But then to to fight back in the second half uh, and get those two late goals and, and win, and that's a, that's a very necessary three points um, when you're looking at the team's playoff hopes. Um, moves them from seventh up to sixth past Houston. And now they can look forward to, to this week. So um, what, what were your thoughts on the game?
1: Um, man, honestly, I was really sad because a loss there, that does the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to get those two goals were game changers. Honestly, it was a 180 um, entirely. Uh, I think were my emotions running through that, through that second half. Um, I think, I mean, typical Royals game, I feel the way that they felt for the most part. But I think what was really noticeable is that, um, because obviously we started to get the goals in, you know, the last quarter of the game. I think that sort of third quarter of the game, we wanted to be more attacking, but we weren't. I think we need to find ways to, to get it done offensive-wise. We need to stop turning the ball over in the final third. Um, finishing has gotten a lot better, I think, throughout the year. Um, but, like, you still see these things, particularly in the attack um, and with turning the ball over that I think this team really needs to resolve if they want to be a playoff team and continue to push. they they got to score goals.
0: For sure. And and we'll talk about that later, too, with some of the questions that people asked us because we got a couple of kind of tactics-related thoughts from a couple of different people. But, but that's very much true. I mean, it, it's hard when you look back at the statistics from that game last night and see that... Um, you know, Houston outshot the Royals by uh, sixteen to nine, but both teams put five shots on frame. So uh the Royals sh- um, shot selection was better, their accuracy was better. They had uh Royals had nearly the double the number of passes that Houston, which is nothing new for them this year, but, I mean, that's a big gap between you and your opponent, and also control uh, 64.5% of the possession in that match. So, I mean, to go into an away venue and have control of a game, and and even though they were losing it until the last 15 minutes, um, you know, they, they have the, and we've kind of seen this all year, but it's like they've got the pieces that are, that are there. We, we know they're a good team. It's, it's sometimes on the execution, like putting the whole package together. And and when they're on like that sky blue game earlier, where everything seemed to click for them, um, you know they have the moments where we see it, but it's it's getting that consistent performance week in and week out that can be the tricky thing for the Royals sometimes. But I, I think you're you know you're right on with um, just you know continuing to improve uh, passing accuracy, especially in the in the attacking third, because that's something that you know a lot of teams can pass out of the back and get to the get to the midfield. It's how do you generate chances for your forwards to score from there. Um, That's going to be their challenge. And certainly if they want to win as many of these last five now games as possible uh, and give themselves the best chance of of earning a playoff spot, they're going to have to sharpen things up, tighten things up quite a bit.
1: For For sure. sure. For sure. Um, I also think that Lola Bonta had probably her best game. As a royal, I thought she was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Definitely hmm um, it was de- it was definitely different not to see Desiree Scott. So hopefully she can heal from that right quad strain sooner rather than yeah. later.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, but Low Low looked very comfortable. And maybe it's the maybe it's the extra time that she's been getting on the ball, or you know, um, she started the game. The last game before as well so maybe it's just that consistency of knowing you're in and you're gonna play you know that that can do positive things for a player's psyche um maybe it was hanging with her boyfriend roger espinosa Uh, at the the dynamo game the night before did, Um, (laughs) did,
1: did you see how on instagram she posted um like sitting in the booth with Bay because he got suspended. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. I've ever Wh- seen anything more Roger Espinoza in my life. Which,
0: oh yeah, like are are any of us surprised he got suspended? Um, <laughs> he's he's due for at least one of those every year, um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I just what a what an I made a mention of that at the RSL game though. Um, you know what an interesting coincidence that that Sporting Kansas City and the Royals were both playing in Houston on the same weekend. Yeah. So that so that they could even, you know, be anywhere near each other versus, you know, what they usually go with and then uh, you know, yeah, she just got to hang out with him up in the suites and watch the game from from up there since he wasn't playing. Um but, yeah, you know, it was it was an interesting game. Uh, you know, one observation that I had because um, I had a lot of people talk about or heard a lot of people talking about um, the goal from Houston and, uh, you know, how they weren't sure why Barnhart didn't save that. As I went back and I thought about it, and maybe I need to watch it again so that I'm, I don't know if I'm seeing the wrong thing, but because um, I'm no goalkeeper. But, in my mind, like as I think about it, you know people were saying, Well, why didn't she you know try to push that away from the goal, or you know why did she get her arm under it and then it took that weird spin and rolled in um but I was thinking about it in terms of because she her, her, she was there. She was in front of the ball for sure. Mm-hmm. she was probably thinking, don't push it back out into the six yard box where an attacker can get on it while I'm laying on the ground. Yeah. so she so she tried to flip it up and hope somebody could clear it or see if she could maybe throw it up over the bar or something like that. and And, you know, maybe she should have pushed it wide instead of trying that. I don't know. it's It's always easy to second guess those kinds of things. But definitely, you know, you see a lot of keepers make that mistake though where they just bat the ball right back into uh, an attacker who's rushing the net that does nothing for you i mean that ball at least had a chance of staying out if it doesn't take a weird spin off her arm and and roll in so i think she did the best she could with that um but then to just what i really liked about the game too and 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 this is such a again kind of a like sometimes we see this from the Royals and sometimes we don't, but they, you know, they go down to goal, they go in at halftime, they come back out and they just sit, you know, let's go back to work. Let's, you know, don't give up. And, and and maybe it's just realizing the importance of where they're at in the season and how getting at least a draw out of that, they had, you know, they had to go for it. Um, But to get the win and to have it be two of the, two of the substitutes that were directly involved in that, in that game winning goal, uh, was pretty fantastic. Um, you know, great awareness by press on the first one to, uh, to see that the defender was being a little bit too casual with the ball right in the, right in the penalty area mm-hmm. and just swipe it off her and score. And then, I mean, Timrak seeing that she could, you know, loop that up over the top and get it to one of her forwards. And then Katie, um, very confidently as she expressed post game realizing that she had Jane Campbell beat. Um, I mean, chipping a goalkeeper like that's no easy task, but I, I was thinking earlier too, it looked like it looked like Campbell hesitated between dropping back to her line and rushing out to try and close the angle down. And once she stopped halfway in between, then maybe it was a pretty easy decision to just kind of flip it up over her head and, and get the goal. But, um, Fantastic work from the whole team uh, and really exciting things. So uh, do you have anything else you want to say about last night?
1: Um, I thought it was – I really like seeing Barnhart start. I think even though she didn't – I mean, she had that one blunder. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows my feelings about Nicole Barnhart. So, yeah. And it's not that Abby's bad, but I just feel like – it's, I don't know. Abby still has a lot to learn, you know? Mm hmm. Um, and I, I feel better with that experience come the like in the push for the playoffs, you know? Sure. There's sure. a little bit more comfortability there.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and I see, I see that too. When I watch Nicole play, there's yeah. definitely that feeling of, and maybe it just comes with her being an experienced goalkeeper. You know, she. She reads the game so well because she's done it for so long. And, you know, you don't stay a, a goalkeeper very long. Uh, oh, yeah. And certainly not, certainly not playing the number of games that she has unless you, you understand what's happening. And, uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of confidence that comes with seeing how she, how she adjusts to motion on the field, how she's always prepared to move it wherever she's needed to, to, uh, handle a shot. So. Uh, yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see as Abby gets closer to being able to play again you know now you know what does laura do does she does she go back to the keeper that had the spot or does she stick with the player that's playing now and is and is doing fine um better than fine um, we'll find that out uh there's also there are two games this week, so maybe that comes mm-hmm. into play you you try one of them for one and one for the other especially when you have a a goalkeeper coming back from an injury. You know, Abby did make the bench last night. So she was fit enough, at least for the possibility of having to go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in training videos, she doesn't look like she's, um, the, you know, the, the team has posted. She doesn't look like she's having too many issues, but, um, Again, as I've said many times before, these are the reasons I'm glad I'm not the head coach. <laughs> um, I can I can pretend I'm smart like Laura Harvey all day long, but I I definitely am not the person to be making those calls, and I'm I'm glad she has to be the one to think of that. So, um, all right. So with with one win behind the team, now they've got uh, like we said two games this week, and first up is. Wednesday night at Rio Tinto Stadium, Washington Spirit make their second visit to Utah. And they are a team really struggling right now. I um, On the standings page of the NWSL website, it shows a team's last five. But I wanted to go a little deeper, so I was looking through the this morning. They're actually on six losses in a row and winless in their last ten. So, so bad. They are like, yeah, they're really struggling. They have two wins on the season, which is, you know, just two ahead of Sky Blue, uh, who, oh, so bad for Sky Blue. They had a lead last night
1: oh, against man. Orlando. So and then sad.
0: And then gave up that equalizer. But at least, you know, a draw, a draw is better than a loss. Um, how, how about
1: that penalty in the 96th minute that they conceded mm-hmm. to? Wow, what a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, quite crazy finish. Um, there was a video going around on Twitter that was, you know, just watch the last five minutes and try and figure out what even happened in here. There was just a lot of craziness, a lot of chances uh, to score goals. But um, but anyway, uh, back to Washington. Uh, you know, they're a team who. And this is the thing about NWSL though is you know they are not playing well. You know, for for quite a while now. Uh, They're in a really rough stretch, six losses in a row right now. But there is no reason for the Royals to make any assumptions that this will be an easy win uh, Mm -hmm. at all. Because um, a lot of... I was looking at the lineup from the game the Spirit played over the past weekend. Uh, Rose Lavelle didn't start. Uh, Andy Sullivan didn't start. Mallory Pugh didn't start. Um, Which is... Interesting, you know, uh, Lavelle just had that fantastic goal against Brazil in Tournament of Nations and then goes back to her club. And, you know, maybe she needed the extra rest. You know, who knows? But, um, it's, uh, you know, they have a lot of good players and they have that. They have Ashley Hatch. Uh, they have, um, I'm forgetting her name. One uh, of midfielders. Um, Sorry, well? give me you just a minute. Caprice Didasco. That's oh, the other okay. one. I was yeah. You know, they have they have a lot of talent. And and Aubrey Bloodso, their goalkeeper, she also didn't play over the weekend. Um, and I don't know what that's about. She was on the bench, but they used their backup goalkeeper. So they have a potential to put out a, a fresh, you know, their top choice lineup in Utah on Wednesday night. And they could you know, they can score goals. They can, they can get out and stretch the defense, and, and they have very capable players. So if, if there was ever anything that you could consider a trap game when you're, when you're hosting the eighth-place team ahead of having the second-place team, Seattle Rain come in on Saturday, you, the Royals just they can't look ahead of this one at all. Um, they've got to be focused. You know, training, they're off today, but they have practice tomorrow. And then they will play on Wednesday, and that's just got to be all about getting locked into controlling the game, being sure your passes are accurate, being sure you take good scoring chances and and you've got to capitalize on them because it's a game they should win, but I always hate saying that because there's rarely a guarantee in sports, I think. You know, anybody can surprise anyone at any moment, and in this league, that's especially true, you know teams pull surprise upset wins all the time. if you you could look at at the Royals record against the courage uh, as an example of that on paper, you would say the Royals would never beat North Carolina, but they have a win and two draws that say otherwise. So for sure, um, they, uh, they definitely need to be on their game though this week. Um, because that won't be an easy match. Um, any anything you want to add about that game?
1: Um, yeah, so Mallory Pugh will be back. She made her first appearance as a sub in a real long time, so she's obviously a really grave threat. Um, but I mean, our defense is just so solid. But it's it's absolutely a trap game. Um, but we're at a we're, we're at a point where we really we cannot lose games. Period. We can maybe afford one draw, but we gotta win, and we absolutely gotta win that game. If there, I th- I think that if there's a game that we can maybe afford to lose, it'd be against the rain because I feel like they're probably the team that most likely can beat us. Um, if we lose to Sky Blue again, um, at Sky Blue, that would obviously be really really horrible.
0: hmm hmm for sure. Um, well, I mean, we've beaten them twice, but, um, but yeah. And then, you know, they've got another game at Washington, uh, first time they've played there, but third game against the spirit for the season. Um, yeah, I, I wrote about this a little earlier today in one of my articles, but you know, you look at those, those are three games that you just on the schedule on paper, you're thinking that's gotta be three wins. You know, it doesn't matter home or away, you've got to put up points and and major points against those teams. yeah. Um, Because those are the very winnable games out of what's left on their schedule. The other ones being, um, you know, Seattle, like you said, that can be tough. And, you know, Seattle's in second place. And that's, yeah, again, that's one where I think, you know, we're playing at home, so I would like to see the the Royals win that game, but a draw wouldn't kill them necessarily, especially depending on how other results play out. I noticed that um, Chicago is playing North Carolina this week, and then I'm seeing on the schedule that they also then follow that with a midweek trip to Seattle uh, next week. So... Chicago, who is still ahead of the Royals in the standings, has some, a tough stretch coming up where the Royals have a chance to, to gain some ground on them. And um, Portland's also playing in Orlando, I think it is. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, really, though, like we always say in sports, all the Royals can do is focus on their games, take them one at a time, and, and do their best to win each one. The rest of it will play out as it will. Um, so I kind of jumped uh, the end of talking about Washington and, and on to Seattle there. Although um, the rain, so well, we have a, a win. No. no, that's right. We beat them here, lost there,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: now we're playing them for the third time. So, um, you know, they're in a situation where they're looking at their end of the season, you know, everybody knows North Carolina is going to finish in first place, but that second place spot means hosting your first playoff match versus having to travel for it. Um, And if you're thinking about if the third place team ends up being, you know, uh, Chicago or, you know, something, well, that's really the only, or Orlando you know, you don't want to fly all the way out there versus being able to stay at home in Seattle. So they are not going to be taking anything light at the end of the year, even though they're they're pretty comfortably in second place. They're not uncatchable yet, I don't think. But um, I was just going to grab the standings here real quick. Oh, yeah. No. Thirty three points, just three ahead of Orlando. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're going to come in here. You know, they know they play well against us. They've got. They've got Taylor and and Fishlock and Rapino. They're they're a talented group. So they just they just beat Washington uh, last night two to nothing. So that will also be um, you know tougher competition, but one that the Royals um, should be should be looking to win uh, rather than anything else. You know, um, ooh, that's. Oh. That's right. That's in the middle of the afternoon because RSL is playing that night.
1: Yep. Bring sunscreen. Sunscreen.
0: Sunscreen Sunscreen. game, everybody. Um, I'll be pulling the double header since I'm a season ticket holder for both teams. So I've got to go to the Royals game, leave, you know, like go home, hopefully get something to eat and whatever, relax for a minute, and then go back at 8 o'clock for uh, RSL in Montreal. Yeah. that's gonna be quite the day and sandwich between two uh, graveyard shifts at work so oh man <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have a fun little weekend but Good luck. Uh, <laughs> right but yeah for sure the you know the goal there is to just keep earning points keep working your way up the table I mean I think the hardest part might well, I won't say the hardest part, but getting that initial win against Houston to start off this string of games uh, helps move things in the right direction for sure. And then uh, from there, you know, you just you you beat Washington, you go to see you go up against Seattle, you see how that works. And then they've got two in a row away from home before finishing up at home. And we, we still owe Chicago a loss. Um, for a number of reasons at this point now, who they beat us here and then they beat, they beat us in Chicago. So we've got to get one. and that, Oh, that, that sets up like there could be so many playoff implications in that final game of the year. Oh yes. Um, that will make so or break
1: it. Honestly, I,
0: I hope that I hope there are, and I hope that we can get a crowd into the stadium for that, because that would be, I mean, that's a, such a huge moment for this team to think first time, first year as a team if you can make the playoffs
1: on the last a, day of the season which honestly if we get in that's what it will come down to
0: mm-hmm, uh, i think so
1: yeah but i mean we're at the point where we especially because of that you know those three losses and that pacific northwest trip mm-hmm. you know we gotta we gotta win and we need some luck is yeah i guess the tldr
0: yeah and Chicago, I mean, they still have, they have a game in hand on the Royals, but they still have to travel to Orlando again. They still have to travel to Portland and Seattle. Wow. They, yeah. They've got a rough, they've got a pretty rough stretch coming up. Yeah. This Friday, this Friday against North Carolina, then midweek in Seattle, the weekend after in the, the Saturday following that in Portland, and then the Saturday after that in Orlando. Um, before their last home game, in, and then and then they finish the season here in Utah. So, um, their extra game doesn't really help them that much because it's they're playing tough competition all the way through. So, uh, yeah, it could it could be a real exciting one in September. Um,
1: yeah. If you're a
0: Royals fan and if you know anybody, just like go get tickets now. It's September eighth, um, and it's a lifetime game of the week. So be there.
1: Yeah, plus there's only, be there for sure. there's only three more games. How sad is that? Like home games anyways.
0: Yep. Makes yeah, me so that's, sad. Uh, and, and two of them are this week. That's, I know. Um, that's pretty killer. And then we go a month without seeing them play here. So, yeah, uh, great time to get down and support the team, be there for their playoff run, and uh, and push them through. Because I think, um, you know, they definitely feed off of having that energy in the stadium oh, for 100%. sure. 100%. Um, the, the longer the season, you know, the first week was, it was, there was so much about around that and the crowd was huge and it might've been a little bit overwhelming for everybody, but crowds like that now that they know, you know, what their fan base is like and, and the, the, the joy they get out of performing, uh, in front of their home crowd. Um, it would be great to get some big crowds into Rio Tinto for this last, excuse me, this last stretch of game. So get out and support the team. Um, come hang out with us for sure. It'll be a good time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, does that cover it for game, game related stuff?
1: Yeah, I think so. Shall we uh, jump into questions? We had uh, a lot of them this week.
0: Let's, oh, good. Let's oh. dig in. Cause we got time to kill. So
1: <laughs> yeah, that we do. Although, uh, when you did your own episode, the, the Ryan FC is so special. Gosh, sorry. It still hurts to talk. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I'm uh blumbering words. Um, it was under, it was like 58 minutes. So way to be there.
0: Right. I was actually, I was actually really honestly surprised that I talked for that long by myself and, uh, <laughs> my throat got a little dry more than once in there. So if it sounded <laughs> weird, I'm sorry. Um, that good. was, I mean, that was that was fun, but like I said, I hope I don't ever have to do that again because uh, <laughs> it it goes so much easier when I have other people to talk with.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. Hang on, Twitter on my phone isn't loading, so I'm just gonna get on it on the
0: laptop. Oh, dare it!
1: I know, right? Um, okay. So, first question. Wait, that's tonight, Ryan Kelly? Yeah, dude, it's a Monday. We're potting tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to. I just... Sarcastic me. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Um, so... Most... Uh, or not most of the questions. So we'll, we'll start with uh, Marcus. So since I'm not a coach, I don't have the credibility, but can we work on our attacking third passing I feel like we don't make the critical passes that would set up the final attack. And am I seeing more and more back passes than we need to? But way to go, ladies, on the win. I definitely agree with that. I think that we're still not lethal in the attack. And I think that that's due to our formation, which we'll talk about in a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh. I mean, I said I said this kind of a little bit earlier that, you know, um. One of the things that people say when, um, when they call the, the tiki taka. Or, you know, when when people call the Spanish style of soccer boring or, or you know, what Guardiola usually does with his teams, well, all they do is pass it around all day and they never do anything. They never try to attack. Well, I mean, that's not true for one thing because those teams often score a lot of goals. They're they're waiting for the right moment to pass. They're, they're not just passing to waste time. They're passing with a purpose to pull defenders out of shape and then exploit the opening. Um, and that's... Kind of, I mean, if the Royals are going to be a team that's based around possession like they have been, if they're going to put up the number of passes that they do, then it, he's absolutely right that the end result of that sequence has to be something incisive that gets through to um, like something what we saw uh, Demir Krylok do for RSL over the weekend, you mm-hmm. know, little passes all over the place, and he just kind of drifted lazily, almost walking to be where he wanted to be. And then it's just this explosion of Saverino makes a cross or Plata cuts. Oh, I haven't seen a pass like that from an RSL player that, like, I, I, I hate to over-talk Bayern Munich, but, I mean, they're my other soccer example um, that – that kind of curling from the wing ground pass that swings around all the defenders, but also is out of reach of the goalkeeper and hits a, a goal scorer at the far post. That's one of my favorite passes in soccer. And I, and I see Bayern do that all the time. So to see Plata pull that pass off. Uh, and from an even narrow angle, narrower angle, too, because he was almost all the way at the goal line.
1: Oh, yeah. That when was he, when such he, a tough pass.
0: When he sent that across, and it just slid by everybody. Demir got his foot on it. Um, that was fantastic. So, that, you know, same kind of thing needs to happen for the Royals. And especially when you've got Kristen Press as a forward, no matter where she's playing and what we're going to discuss where she should be playing, but, you know, That's that's like her sweet spot, you know. Get her a little pass in there that she can turn and make something out of. You know, she'll get her foot to it, she'll get her head on it, she'll make something happen. But the the team has to help her set that up first. Um, Early in her time with Utah, we saw a lot of her getting the ball thirty yards out and trying to dribble past people and get in and score, and that just doesn't work. Um, That's not what a target striker is for um i I've, I've never liked seeing a number 9 try to make their own play happen they've got to be getting a pass and um so yeah for sure we need um more better passes um those have got they've got to be key passes um you know something that sets up a shot or uh, or you know uh, maybe sets up the pass that leads to the next pass that leads to a goal or something like that That's all I got on
1: that. Right on. Um, So Marcus also said, whose side still hurts from all the booing towards Kristen Press? So glad she was (laughs) able to shut them up. Me too, man. Me too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Um, sorry. Go ahead.
0: I I don't like that. Um, You know, I – especially because what, like, you know – during the game, the Dash Twitter account tweeted a picture of of Press getting bumped down in the box, and and like the caption on it was "Take a seat." And it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. You guys are all upset that that she didn't play there, and at the time that that all was going down, too. I mean, I also thought, why won't she just go play there? You know, the, her fan the fans would love it and whatever. But she's making her own choice, and. Um, you, you know, but I saw I saw another tweet later in the day that that somebody said, you know, her deciding not to go play there was her personal decision what she thinks she needs to do for her career and the fans response last night was them being passionate about their team and there's nothing wrong with either one. Um so, you know, it's it's going to happen. Um, I, I, I think as long as it's, you know, okay, we're not happy that you didn't come play for us and you know, that's fine. Um, when it turned to some of the stories, like the, um, the little kid that was getting kind of harassed for wearing her press Jersey at the game, like that's taking it a bit too far. Um, yeah, That was not cool from the Houston fans who did that, but, uh, you know, but yeah, ultimately she, she tied the game up and. Uh, that was fantastic. So I was glad she could get a goal in that game just as kind of a, well, you know what? I made my choice and here's the result.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, also, did you hear about how she gave her jersey away to a, to a fan and she also gave away her shoes? She signed her shoes mm-hmm. and gave them to a fan. Yep. It's like, gosh, those goals. Um well, and the
0: thing about the one about her jersey—you know, the, the guy like caught her on the way back into the tunnel, and his his daughter's in Florida having some medical treatment that she couldn't be at you know at home in Houston to watch the game. And Kristen walked all the way back into the locker room, took her jersey off, came back out with you know a training top on that signed her jersey and, and gave it to this guy so he could go give it to his daughter. I mean, that's those are great stories, and and that's one of those things I. I love about soccer is that there are some really, some really kind gestures that the players can do. And, um, you know, they, they seem like small things maybe in some ways, but like when you have a, a player, you know, somebody who, who you, uh, idolize or, or, you know, somebody who really inspires you, um, uh, goes out of their way. And that's what it feels like too. You know, they're, they're professional players. They have jobs to do, but they, they take the time to, to, you know, make sure they understand how grateful they are for, for what we do and supporting them. And that's always
1: great. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. To the next one. So who was your player of the match yesterday and why? Also, if you're a Christian press being boot all game and you scored, what would your celebration be? Um, celebration be, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think professionally you play it cool and maybe don't celebrate. I know mm-hmm. you see that in the Premier League a lot, like when a player scores or just in football around the world where like when a player scores they won't they won't celebrate, you know. Um you saw Mo Salah when he scored against Roma, he'd put his 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 arms out to the side and try to like his his you know his teammates would come and jump up on him and he'd sort of like push teammates away and go like no let's let's get back to work um in terms of i guess entertaining maybe like the Fortnite celebration the the <laughs> loser one that the Corey Bear thing. did yeah i don't know
0: yeah that might that might be rubbing salt in the wound, I mean especially a team like that where she never even really played for them like I get it when it's your former squad and you come back and then you score a goal against them, and so you don't wanna you know the fan base has been nice to you so you don't wanna you know stick it to' them too much yeah but um you know that I thought i mean I don't remember her celebrating really at all, yeah uh, after July. that goal they they had to get back and you know they were still looking for a winner at that point, so um. I personally, I mean, I know it's easy to say this as somebody who never played the game and never got into it. And this is all hindsight in my life from my responses to watching years worth of celebrations. But, I mean, I personally now, like, if I got the chance to go back in time and play soccer now as a professional, I don't think I would ever celebrate a goal. I would just run back and get on my side and get ready to play again because it's like... I, you know, the goal to me is a, is enough of a celebration, but I, oh, I understand why they do it though. That's the
1: lamest thing I've ever heard. Ryan Kelly. Oh, fine. <laughs> no, I do. I no, just, I fine. don't,
0: I'm not that, but that's, that's that, a lot of that's my personality though. Like I am not a big, like hype, hyped up person. Um, it It might depend on the situation though. I mean, maybe if I scored a game winner in like champions league. In the 89th minute, I might not be able to resist getting a little fired up or something.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like
0: I said, I I say that all from I've never played soccer a day in my life. So I'm sure it's very different when you get that adrenaline rush and something jumps into your mind. of I got to go do this. Um,
1: Yeah. Player of the match. um, uh, One of the thing on that, though, um, the notion of celebrations so I was – as I was working and, like, partially watching um, Aston Villa and Whole City today, there was a goal that was scored, and the player went straight, like, into the crowd. And the crowd literally, like, the fan just mauled him.
0: <laughs> and
1: it was great. But that happened today. I don't know. That, that might be a way to celebrate. I think the way I would celebrate – I mean, granted, like, depended – on what my salary was. But, if, <laughs> but I mean, if I was making, like, the average Premier League salary, so, like, twenty to $30,000 a week, I'd probably take my shirt off, throw it into the audience, make some kids' day, and go grab another shirt and take the fine. I don't know. Right. Sort of. I think there's a football player. Maybe it's Cam Newton. Um, or a hand player, I should say. I think does that. And I don't know. I think that's real cool. Um, but yeah, sorry. Player of the match. Go ahead.
0: Whew. Um, You know, I'm honestly not sure. Um, you know, the, the defense had great games again, both Sauerbrunn and Corsi made some fantastic clearances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you got to look. I don't know. I really don't know. To be honest. Uh, What do you think?
1: Um, I think substitution-wise, actually, I thought Erica Timrak and um, Taylor Lytle were fantastic, at least in terms Mm. of the energy that they brought. And obviously, Katie Stengel scored a goal. Um, But I thought all three of them were really, really solid. Um, Like I said, Lola Bonta had a great game. It's so hard to, like, pick out, you know? Um, Although, I think in terms of swinging momentum... And if you look at like, okay, what decided the game and you base your player of the match on that, I think you go Kristen press because that play was hers and hers alone. And Mm -hmm. that really switched momentum. So I think Kristen press, if you, if I have to absolutely pick one.
0: Sure. That's a fair choice. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. Um, it, it it seemed like one of those games where like not one person stood out yeah. in a way that I thought. Oh, they just you know controlled the game clearly like that, and uh, so I'm good. I'm good with that choice for sure. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, so from K and Demerad. So K, we'll, we'll group this together. So K says, "Press needs to be the center forward. So if Laura isn't wanting to bench A Rod, would this be the time to move to a 4-4-2 formation?" Demirad says, when is Kristen Press going to be the center forward? Um, I think we both have the same answer for this. We should absolutely be switching to a 442 4 mm-hmm.
0: 2 Yeah. Um, I don't think it needs to be a diamond midfield, um, yeah. but it needs to be. I, I've, I've been thinking this kind of for a while, and, and especially since Press came on board. You know, she is a big player. Um, she's, uh, she's a striker. You know, that's, that's been one of the things that's been an interesting thing to watch on the national team because Alex Morgan has moved in from the wings to being a center forward. She does that really well, but that, that moves press to the outside and, uh, you know. It's really interesting because with Press on the team, you know you've got Amy Rodriguez who is a center forward, you've got Katie Stengel who's a center forward, and then you've got Press, and you've got three players who you could all make legitimate cases to start in that position, and, and but you can't get them all on the field at the same time in that exact role, um, which is why a four-four-two would be a lot more helpful because if you're if you're trying to play a 4-3-3 like the Royals are now, you you can only really have the one forward, or even if you want to call it a 4-5-1, you know, whatever. Um, having one forward versus two limits your options in how many of your true forwards you can put on the field. Um, so I would love to see it, because whether you start pressing A-Rod or you start pressing Stengel, you get um, Press as the number 9, uh, who is going to be your, your true target forward. And then um, even though, even though Stengel is, is, is a target forward herself in a lot of ways, um, I've seen her do a lot of work, you know, where she is kind of the, the false nine. Uh, or, mm-hmm. or the uh, the secondary striker, and she can be very opportunistic. You know, if if you if you play above the press and her shot isn't there, Stengel can be in a space to receive a pass and score, or catch a rebound and, and, and knock it in, something like that. Um, conversely, I think A Rod can do that, but she's also got ability to be kind of a linking, like a like a second attacking midfielder on top of whoever you have in the four behind where if, if Gory or, or Matheson in the midfield or even, you know, gunny doesn't even matter is getting a pass to her. And then she makes one more link to press because you can't leave a rod open a defender. If she gets the ball near the top of the box is going to have to close her down. A, a space will open up somewhere and the midfielders can come up and support. Um, I think it would work really well. So uh, again, I don't get paid to do what Laura Harvey does, but if I, if I did, um, I would certainly try it. And I, if you're going to try it again, not to, to look past an opponent too much, but try it against Washington. Uh you know, it's going to work. It's going to have a better chance of working against a team that's struggling than say, trying it against Seattle or something like yeah, that. For so. sure.
1: Here's, here's my take. So you play the four, four, two, Almost as a four-two-two-two, so you have your back four, and then I think that you play Gunny and you play Desiree Scott as like, you know, uh, defensive center mids. Um, maybe you have uh, Desiree drop just a little bit back deeper um, and cover more of like the full. I guess, in that little line area, depending on tactically what you want to do, however the game's going. I think then you bring the other two above that. You bring them out on the wings. That can be um, Matheson. I think Matheson's great there. I think Erica Timrak is also fantastic there. Uh, Gory is good there. And then up top, you have, obviously, Rodriguez in press. Um, and Press. And I think that you play... Obviously, this is depending, you know, tactically um, in ha- how you line up is the same. But I think that you have a rod play up top just like a little bit higher than press. And then you have press make run ins behind. Um, but I absolutely think that to play to the player strengths. I mean, we got to play four four two, hands down um, on that note, though. So this is the next question. Um, so who do you think should be our dedicated 10 and nine and who do you think should be best on the wings after seeing a few different lineups, assuming, uh, LH is still going for a four, three, three, having a good playmaker to link that front line, which we still need to sort out is crucial going forward. That's from simply Melly. Here's the thing. Laura Harvey is going to stick with the four, three, three. It's an organizational thing. They're trying Mm -hmm. to build it in top to bottom. In the academy, they're playing the 4-3-3. The Monarchs are playing the 4-3-3. Both Mike Petke and Laura Harvey are super into the 4-3-3. It's not going to change, period. Um, As far as what I think our best 4-3-3 lineup is, that's really kind of hard to say, I think, because I don't think any of the players, except for maybe Erica Timrak. And Diana Matheson, who currently, like, play those positions, are probably best suited for the 4 through 3 That's just my take. Um, but, I mean, if your goal in the 4 through 3 is to get your best players out on the pitch, I think it's Diana Matheson, Kristen Press, and A-Rod. Or, sorry, A-Rod in the middle. But you all get the gist if you're going to mm-hmm. do that. So I think it's what we're currently doing. Um, but... I really have absolutely loved seeing Lola Bonta, Erica Timurak, and Taylor Lido on the wings. I think that they're really, really testing. I think Diana Matheson for that starting spot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, That's um, that's a fair statement for sure. But uh, you know that is. uh, um, Hold on, just a second. Sorry. Had a slight interruption. You're good. <laughs> I'll have to cut that out. Um, yeah. So I don't know where my wife went. And, hey, uh, <laughs> actually,
1: um, when you're doing the editing, leave it in. That way it doesn't throw off the final product and I'll just cut it. Oh, from, from that Oh yeah. You can like
0: combine it and then just snip yeah. it all together. Does, okay. Totally. Does that totally work? Cool. Yep. That works. Cool. Cool. Okay. Let me try and jump back into my thoughts on what we were talking about. Um, yeah, I think I think that's true. You know the um, the formation. Part of that kind of bugs me that there's this organizational insistence on we're going to play it like. Okay, I get why the monarchs need to do it because if the monarchs the monarchs need to train the way RSL is going to play, and that's going to be true no matter who the you know if the next coach after Petkey, may that be many years away, but you know comes in and says I want to go to a three five two. You know, then okay, then the monarchs need to start playing that, and the whole system needs to adjust all the way down through the bottom of the academy, pinning the royals down to that. If it's if it's just not working, you know, I would be if I were the coach, I would be you know starting it as a three three or a four three three, but with the players I want, and then having them kind of shift you know within the first minute or something. I I don't know. Um you know, to me you do what it takes to put the best players in the best position. Um, then that's that's why, you know, formations get called, you know, tactical semantics sometimes because it, it doesn't really matter who you put where, it's where they end up being on the field and how they perform when they're there. So um I like the idea of this four four two we're discussing and getting um, press into what might be a better position for her, especially because we, we would love for her to become that explosive playmaker at the top of the formation, mm-hmm. scoring a lot of goals. But if that if that can't happen for whatever reason, then um, I don't think what we saw last night is terrible lineup-wise. Yeah, it works.
1: For sure. Um, do you want to talk about this... Um, so we talked about it briefly. So we had this interaction with a fan from I don't know. I want to guess Colombia, um, but um, uh, Meli Palacio.
0: Pa- yeah, that was really interesting. Just we we put out the tweet. Do you have questions for tonight's episode? And we got a reply in Spanish, which um, you know I wish we had Cindy. Uh, with us uh, she knows spanish i believe better than, than both of us do um uh, but uh yeah i just um i'll i'll fully admit i i want to learn spanish my like i said my son's learning it but i i'm not in any way fluent at all so um but i thought i can't let a chance at, at interaction like that go Wanting, so I I did get a lot of help from from Google, doing some translation. But I I read her. Um, to be fair, I read through it in Spanish. I did my best to understand it, and then used the translate to find out what I didn't recognize. Um, some of the words I couldn't tell exactly what she was saying, but um, she was saying the same thing as kind of what we've just been talking about. That. Um, that the formation doesn't fit the players that we have right now and maybe a a four-player midfield would drive the attack more um versus uh that is one of the troubles with a three-player midfield is it can get stretched and if they aren't able to connect passes through the through the wings that are playing on the forward line um the whole thing kind of breaks down uh but yeah i just i i wrote my responses in in english on google and translated them over to spanish and copied them in because i thought i needed we need to have this conversation though to you know a fans reaching out to us and we're not going to uh miss a chance to uh to talk and um that was actually kind of fun for me though cuz um you know ex- getting exposure to different people from different places and different languages it's all part of the fun and that's you know soccer truly is such a global game Uh, so that was just fun to uh to talk about you know the tactics of the team and um how a switch to that formation could help um you know we've, we've had all these other questions today about where's that attacking third deadliness going to come from and that could be one answer to it
1: yeah for sure um on that note, though, I think it also shows the influence and respect that the U.S. Women's National Team has abroad, um, mm-hmm. and I think how they really like do operators role models is pretty cool. Um, anyways, yeah, because oh, she's because
0: she's because she's very clearly a, a Kristen Press fan. She's you know she um, voted or um, said said very positive things about her and. Um, she voted for Stengel for goal of the week. By the way, everybody go do that. Katie got nominated for goal of the week for that chip over Jane Campbell. Go make sure she wins that. Um, but she also, uh, one of her other questions to us was, um, when is, when was Kelly O'Hara expected to be back? And I, I replied with what, what I know of that, just that we've, we've heard it's possible she could be available this Saturday against Seattle. Um, uh, which would be great. I mean, I know she's been active in training, um, and and I'm certainly hopeful that the you know the break was what she needed because I think she's probably rushed back from that hamstring strain uh, too early in the past, and uh, this time I think they took the time to get it right, make sure that her whole leg is healthy, and uh, and that would be great to see her come back. Of course, there's. Then there's all the questions of where does she play because Katie Bowen's been playing right back really well. Um, Do you put her in up top again like she was playing before the injury and have her and Press and A-Rod form this national team super front line? Um, There's a lot of options there. I mean, it it never hurts to be spoiled for choice when you go to fill out your lineup card. But um, yeah, it'll be great to see Kelly back playing though.
1: For sure. For sure. Anyways, my jaw is killing me with all this talking. Shall anyway. we wrap it up? And <laughs> laughing, too, before the show. I don't think right. I've... Uh, I, I honestly am unsure if I have um, opened my jaw that much in the past week. Ah. Uh,
0: okay. Well, then we won't wear your face out, all your sore muscles from your, from your tooth extraction uh, experience. Um,
1: Evolution's yep. weird,
0: man. Isn't it? Yeah. Come on, evolution. We gotta get rid of those, those teeth, teeth that we don't need.
1: Appendixes. Come on. Those things
0: have got it's gotta go. Time to go. Um Yep. Okay. Well, nope. I think we've covered everything we need to talk about. Thank you to everybody who who wrote in and uh gave us some, some things to talk about for the second half of the show tonight. Gracias. Uh, we are always happy to hear feedback and your thoughts or what you'd like to hear us talk about um like i always say it's it's your show just as much as it is ours and we always appreciate your comments and questions and the fact that you listen to us week in and week out so on behalf of Vircho and myself thanks for checking out royals fc show episode 28 we'll see you next week